Welcome back to the Ancestral Findings Podcast. From Ireland's green shores to the bustling energy of the American colonies, George Taylor's story is one of unwavering determination and transformative success. Beginning as an indentured servant and ultimately rising to prominence as an iron forger and political figure, Taylor epitomized the essence of a truly self-made man. Today, we shine a light on the remarkable journey of George Taylor, a man who shaped his destiny with resilience and vision. George Taylor was born in 1716 in Ireland and immigrated to America when he was 20 years old, settling in Philadelphia. Little is known about his early life before coming to the American colonies. Early 19th century biographies of the men who signed the Declaration of Independence state that he was the son of a Protestant clergyman. George paid for his passage to the American colonies by indenturing himself to Samuel Savage, Jr., an ironmaster at the Warwick Furnace and Coventry Forge. George initially started at the forge as a laborer. Still, Accounts of George's early life in America state that George was promoted to bookkeeper when Samuel Savage discovered that he had a higher-than-typical education level from his childhood in Ireland. Samuel Savage passed away in 1742, and George married his widow that same year. The widow, George's boss's widow, was named Anne Taylor Savage. Though her maiden name was Taylor, she does not appear to have any relation to George, at least not a close relation. George continued to manage the ironworks for the next decade until Anne's son with the late Samuel, named Samuel Savage III, and George's stepson, became of legal age. At that point, he took over the ownership and management of the ironworks under the terms of his late father's will. This ironworks was built in 1727 by some of Pennsylvania's wealthiest and most influential men. George and Anne lived at the ironworks until 1755, when George made a partnership to lease the Durham Furnace in Upper Bucks County, Pennsylvania. Shortly after becoming the ironmaster of this prestigious ironwork, George entered public life in Pennsylvania for the first time. George became Justice of the Peace in Bucks County from 1757 to 1763. After the lease on the Durham Ironworks expired, George and his family moved to Easton, which was the county seat of Northampton County. He purchased the Bachman's Tavern, later called the Easton House. The year after purchasing the tavern, he was commissioned to be a justice of the peace in Northampton County and was elected to the Pennsylvania Provincial Assembly. While serving on the assembly, George bought 331 acres of land near Allentown at Beery's Port, which is now part of the borough of Catasauqua. George employed tradesmen from Philadelphia to build a two-story Georgian stone mansion for him there, overlooking the Lehigh River on a bluff. The house was completed in 1768, and Anne passed away shortly thereafter. George lived in the house until 1776 when he moved back to Durham. Today, the house is called the George Taylor House and is on the National Historic Landmark list. George's ironworks at Durham, which he released, was the first to supply cannon shots to the Continental Army during the American Revolution. In 1776, the Second Continental Congress voted on independence on July 2nd and adopted the Declaration of Independence on July 4th. Five days before the July 2nd vote for independence, Pennsylvania forced five of its delegates, loyalists to the Crown, to resign from the Congress. 
George was one of the replacements appointed to Congress by the Assembly on July 20, 1776. One of George's first tasks as a member of the Continental Congress was to sign the Declaration of Independence. Of all 56 of the signers, George was one of only eight born outside of the colonies, the only one who had been an indentured servant, and the only one who was an ironmaster. The Assembly appointed a new Pennsylvania delegation to the Congress in February of 1777, and George was not among those reappointed. Instead, in March of 1777, he was appointed to Pennsylvania's Supreme Executive Council. George attended all of the meetings of the council, which was formed to govern Pennsylvania under its new constitution until April of 1777, when he became ill and was bedridden for more than a month. After George recovered, he retired and announced that he was ending his public career. George kept on making cannon shot and shells at the Durham Furnace during the war, supplying the Continental Army and Navy. Eventually, he moved back to Easton, Pennsylvania in 1780, as his health was not as good as it used to be. George passed away there in 1781 at the age of 65 years old. George was buried at St. John's Lutheran Church Cemetery, which was across from his house in Easton. The house he was leasing at the time of his passing is now known as the Parsons Taylor House. It is the oldest house still standing in the city. Later, in 1870, the church property was sold to use for the construction of a public school. The occupants of the cemetery were moved, including George, who was moved to the Easton Cemetery. He is still there, buried in front of a monument local residents there erected to honor him. George and his wife, Anne, had two children together. These were a daughter named Anne and called Nancy, who passed away while still a child, and a son named James. James became a lawyer, married Elizabeth Gordon, and had five children with her. In his will, George left 500 pounds to his eldest grandchild, also named George, as well as 500 pounds to his housekeeper, Naomi Smith, in consideration of her great care and attendance on me for a number of years. George also stipulated in his will that the rest of his estate was to be divided equally between his five grandchildren by his son James and the five children he fathered with Naomi Smith after his wife Anne passed away. These children were Sarah, Rebecca, Naomi, Elizabeth, and Edward. These bequests were never fulfilled due to financial difficulties on his estate. Thank you for joining us today on the Ancestral Findings Podcast. For additional resources and exclusive treats, visit ancestralfindings.com. You can grab a complimentary genealogy ebook, benefit from a free genealogy lookup, and even participate in our weekly historical postcard giveaway. It's a treasure trove for every family history enthusiast. Your support by listening to the podcast means the world to me. If you want to support us in more ways, consider supporting us on Patreon or PayPal. Every contribution aids in delivering valuable content and continuing our free genealogy lookup service. From all of us at Ancestral Findings, thank you for being an integral part of our family history community since 1995. I hope you have a wonderful day, and as always, happy searching.